It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. Today's podcast is lit by the White Ash Group. If getting paid to be yourself looks like working in the cannabis space, submit your resume at whiteashgroup.com. And if you're a cannabis lover living in Illinois and you've got a knack for sales, Head over to the White Ash Group Jobs Board to see if your qualifications and cannabis and vaping knowledge align with this sales opportunity in the growing Illinois cannabis market. White Ash Group is North America's premier choice for cannabis staffing, recruitment, and executive search. And if you're an industry trailblazer trying to figure out how to get your time back, White Ash Group provides pre-screened and vetted top-tier talent and custom hiring solutions so you can feel good building both your dream team and a better work-life balance. From roots to suits in the U.S. and Canada, visit whiteashgroup.com for cannabis staffing, recruitment, and executive search. Tell them Joe sent you. How about this 2020 season finale? Yeah, it is definitely one for the record books. In an effort to clear my head and raise my vibration, I hit the open road for a day trip to the Central Valley to meet Sister Kate of Sisters of the Valley. The sisters are activists on a mission to heal the world through plant-based medicine. The Sisters of the Valley work together pray together, and dress to identify their enclave. Nestled in the impoverished but agriculturally rich Central Valley, 
Their order creates honorable jobs in the community and sells organic, health-enriching products all over the world. All of their products are handmade by women, taking the plant from the ground, turning it into medicine in a craftsmanlike way in a spiritual environment. The Sisters of the Valley medicine making is guided by ancient tradition with care and respect for the earth. After life uprooting events, Sister Kate found herself living in the middle of California's Central Valley, where plants abound and jobs are sparse. She was determined to create work and leadership opportunities for more women like her. And she looked to the state's newest, most interesting industry with optimism. In the fall of 2009, Sister Kate founded a nonprofit cannabis collective and opened for business in 2010. She began serving CBD medicine to local terminal patients and developed teas and tinctures for patients to experience its healing effects without needing to smoke. After three years of service, Sister Kate was moved to both help more women and share the medicine with more people who needed it. That is when Sisters of the Valley was born. During the harvest moon of 2014, they developed their first line of products. Remember on Podcast 157 when Crystal said, Your inspired action is the most powerful and important thing you will ever do. Sister Kate is a perfect example. She's also a real straight-shooting pistol, which makes me even more excited to share her with you. Joining us off-mic was Sister Cass. She and Sister Kate steadily trimmed flour throughout our entire visit. We get into the weeds on the experience of being women. We discuss the importance of elevating females in places of power and decision-making. We explore the structure of religion and how the sisterhood honors a mix of cultures, beliefs, rituals, and perspectives to create best practices that serve all living beings in our modern times. Sister Kate has a mouth on her, like me, so we end up laughing a lot, and you should definitely join us. So smoke them if you got them, but buckle up, Buttercup. This bus isn't going to Sunday school. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke. You know, part of my rant always is, is that for 2000 years, ever since Christianity became a thing, women have suffered the brunt of all poverty. And when we say that, when we say women suffer the brunt of all poverty in all nations since Christianity took hold, we're not really just talking about women. We're talking about women and men. We use women like for 2000 years, the churches have used the word men to refer to all people. We, the sisters, when we use the word women, we're referring to all women plus men who are feminists in their heart, plus men who have been persecuted like women have, certainly the LGBTQ community right in there. Also, our spiritual beliefs are that people who uh, are non-binary have something to teach us should be they're the twin spirited they see with two sets of eyes we should be making them the people that we most listen to on their perspective on things because they have a unique perspective so yeah i'm i kind of have a bone to pick with christianity because i feel like christianity made us all choose those binary roles 
and made us fit in those binary roles. I don't think it was like that when women were in control in the 800s. I don't think it was like that at all. I think if you had a young boy who definitely wanted to be a woman there, the women would be like in our patriotic culture, in our uh, patriotic, in our patrician, how do you say it? Patriarchal. Patriarchal culture, they created something called a mama's boy. In native cultures, the boy that gets along best with the women is the blessed boy. He has the keys to the kingdom. He can go get a pie from the women. He can go get medicine from the women. So in other cultures, the women are revered. And again, when we say women, we're using a capital W to to include the LBGTQ and all men who were raised by single mothers, all men who relate to their sisters who are single mothers or single women just being crapped on by a society that says if you don't have a dick, you have no value. And essentially, can I say that here? Yes. Okay. Essentially, people might think that's ridiculous, but we're living in the shadow of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Preach, sister. <laughs> ah. See, I, I'm like a wa- walking chatty Kathy doll, right? Just yeah. light her up. See, Just- this is, <laughs> I was so excited driving out here to meet you because I knew this is how you are. I listened to these other shows and I was like, yes. Light her up. Yes. We are cut from the same cloth. Yes. And I completely understand you leaving Texas to come here right now. I was just telling everybody this morning the truth about Sister Maria coming here. We're working on, we had to put, and everybody makes a sacrifice when we put money out to lawyers, right? Because that's money that could be bonuses or it could be raises. Everybody works super hard here and no one is really getting rich or getting an easy life, are we, Cass? We're just sort of getting by. But uh, we did sort of agree that we'd rescue Sister Maria from New Zealand. So she has two teenagers. She was 52 days on lockdown with them. And normally they spend half their time with dad. And she called and said, honest, if you don't get me out of here, I am leaving for the outback and I'm going to grow illegal weed and I'm going to join the natives, the Maori people. And I've already told my children, you have no choice but to go live with father because mother's going to become an outlaw. And I said, no, it's okay, Sister Maria, we'll get you here. So after three or four years of her peddling our brand in New Zealand and being very, very tired of the harassment and the backward position that that fascist country is going in against the plant, she's going to come here for on a three-year contract and just grow weed with the sisters in the valley until it blows over or New Zealand grows the F up. Yeah. I love that. And you know, it's funny because if you look at the mainstream media, I don't think I ever see anything that paints New Zealand in a bad light. It's like, oh, the, right. there's this tiny little place that they live in harmony and they have their shit together and we should try to be yeah, more no, like them. But it's, it's it takes like a long freaking time to get over there on a plane to fact check that shit. Right. <laughs> and we, we have no place to talk about fascism these days. But we know fascism against the plant when we see it. We've all experienced it. Well, and frankly, I don't feel like in government or politics within this election year, none of these people represent me. Right. Exactly. Exactly. None of these people represent us. Exactly. But if we don't vote, then we're just helping Putin. So we kind of have to vote whether they represent us or not. That's our opinion. We have to at least, I guess the what I always say is that it takes two things to have a functioning democracy. You need a free press and a voting public. And the free press is already contaminated. We know that, right? Yeah, we haven't but had free press But you don't cure liver cancer time. by giving the patient stomach cancer. So we say still vote. Just vote left. Here's what's the matter with our world right now. And again, it goes back to Christianity. 
I don't know if people know this, but the Catholic Church, with all their wealth, they were second most wealthy on the planet until recently, second to the U.S. government. And the Catholic Church, for the last 40 years, has given instruction, and the, all Christian churches are doing this, is to fund the rightest candidate in town. So whoever is most godly, talks about God the most, is preaching the most, is most against abortion, is most against everything traditional, give your money to them. So what happens after 30 years of our major cities just always giving money to the most right Christian guy? You've got this cluster F mess that we've got right now. That's what's happened. So the sisters would like to be on the pulpit saying everybody should just pick your most left candidate. Pick the most right radical, most socialist. Hell and we no, should do no, that no, for no. 30 years. We have to do that for 30 years in order to bring balance to a system no, I disagree. that has gone completely off the rails as far as controlling women and and ensuring that we continue to have poverty and we continue to have a class system. Well, I disagree in that the way to fix the alt-right is become alt-left. I think it is the idea of becoming Educated. You haven't tried it, have you? It could yes, work. I have. Oh, have you? Yes, I have. I have tried that. Oh, education, but you've got an alt right that's starving the education. I think everything's getting starved out by both sides right now. I think there is a, a civil war and a 5D chess match happening right now that most of us, if we're not paying attention, we'd have no idea that it's happening. What I believe is finding vibrational alignment with truth and finding that space within yourself every day where you are figuring out how to feel good, figuring out how to have these difficult conversations with loving kindness and it not be something where it's a competition of any sort, but a loving dialogue that begins to happen. And I feel like there's so much shadow story that is out in the world right now where I don't know fact from fiction anymore when I am watching a debate, when I am watching the news. like It's true, but your, your, your thing about standing in our, the vibration of truth, that's a lot sounds to me like standing around and singing Kumbaya. We can sing Kumbaya and tell everybody they should love each other, but until we uh, put on our warrior suits and fight the corruption that is an assault on the people, and that is coming from the far right. I'm not sure we have to go far left, like I agree with you, that's kind of radical. But I'm just saying that I always say to the women, the women have to own everything. I mean, I think the solution is the women have to own everything. The women have to own the businesses. The women have to own the pulpit. The women have to own the, the chamber of commerces and the law offices. And the women have to just own things. And if the women owned everything, that what you said, that self-knowledge, self-understanding, self-awareness, the awareness that we are all connected, the kumbaya stuff, I call it. That comes if you have the women in leadership. I'm just kind of radical about it, but it's because I have I have a problem hearing men over 50, and sometimes it flares up and I can't hear white guys over 40. I hear you. I hear you. And, you know, what I am saying, I walk that walk. Like, that is why I have this show that, you know, so it is me showing people that you can do what I said. You can be kumbaya in action. <laughs> okay. It's possible. I do it. And I have difficult conversations with people all the time. I am allowed to say things to people that oftentimes they say, I don't think I'd let anybody else say that to me. But they'll let me say it to them because they know 
where I'm coming from. So, you know, I agree with you that we need more women in leadership. We need more women in positions of power. Yes. But I don't think it's about women owning all of it. I think it's women stepping into their power, though, and saying, look, I've sat on the sidelines. I've chewed my fingernails. I've, you know, kept my mouth shut. But listen, <laughs> there's a better way to do this shit. Like, let's let's do it. And, and not asking for permission, but just doing it. Because that's what's so funny. It's like, okay, women had to get permission to vote from men. Yes. You know, we have to, in order to do anything, we need permission. But I feel like we're at such a point in our culture and our society where it's not about asking for permission anymore. It is doing it, taking action. Nobody's going to stop us anymore. There's no way to stop people anymore. The internet has made the world flat. It has made information (laughs) readily available for everyone. And so we can all have our own pulpit to preach our message. And I'm telling you what, whoever is the most magnetic, whoever is resonating the highest with people is going to be the person who rises up. And it's for me, I unplugged my cable box from the wall. My television's unplugged. I just have cut that shit out of my life and have made traveling two hours down the road to sit with Sisters of the Valley, you know, I have my hands idle watching y'all trim canvas right now. I feel kind of worthless, but, but you know, I mean, like, these are the kinds of conversations that mean something to me right now because everything else is is unimportant. Yes, I agree. So one of the things that you're really big on is, uh, and, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier, is that idea of elevating women, elevate society. And you had this vision 10-something years ago. You ended up in the Central Valley, and you're like, I have to create an opportunity for myself. Yes. I need to create an opportunity for the people that I love, for my children. And you had this idea of bringing women together around healing and medicine. Tell me a little bit about how that kind of came together for you. Well, as Sister Occupy, I started researching what's really, I couldn't understand why the only nun at protests when the busing was being shut down for our poor kids or a diamond ship with all slave labor diamonds on it was coming into port. Where were the Catholic nuns and priests? Where the heck were they when I was growing up? I'm 61 years old. They were there beside Martin Luther King. They were there at the protest for freedom. So, and they weren't here now. So when I went looking, I found out that they're either incognito, they're basically, they're going extinct. The Catholic nuns are going extinct in this country. There were 30, 30, 350,000 when I was growing up. There's less than 30,000 today. The average age of a new nun for the Catholic order is 78 years old to 80 years old. If your average new novitiate is 80 years old, you're leading a dying order. And I love the Catholic nuns and I have many of them that I hold in great esteem and they're very respectful of me. But they, And this is where we disagree. They say we're not going extinct. We're reinventing ourselves and I say not fast enough. So if they were radical and like stormed the stormed the Vatican and took over the keys to that kingdom, which I think they should do, and they have the and right have to do. And have a garage sale. Right. And like yes, get a badass garage sale. And country do an out auction. Of poverty. Right, right. <laughs> do an auction um, and take over that. But they can't. And so off they many of them recognize, right? We get gifts from them sent here occasionally. Um, but they recognize that we're doing something that they can't do inside the patriarchy. But here's my problem. I think 
most people do not realize when they defend, like we have people who are always saying, you're not real nuns, you're fake nuns, whatever, and they're insulted on behalf of Catholic nuns. And that's really kind of ridiculous because even the Catholic nuns recognize that what we are doing is holy service. It doesn't matter which way you stack it up. We dedicate our lives to making, taking the plant from the ground, turning it into medicine in, in, in a craftsman-like way, an artisan way, where it's all by hand. It's all done in a spiritual environment. It's all done by the cycles of the moon. Who can complain about that? There's nothing in this that anybody should be offended by, especially when we have legalized pedophilia happening in Mormon oh. churches and in Je Jehovah Witness churches. So we have real atrocities happening today against the women and the children. And People are offended by the weed nuns. Please grow right. up. Exactly. So, but the other thing that I have come that I I think people don't understand is that Christian those that defend Christianity are not are not really feminist. You cannot. There's two things I argue that if you bring your religion into politics, you're not really an American because that's an un-American thing to do is to bring your religion into politics. If you are super religious, you have no business in politics. Even Jesus didn't want you in politics. So don't be waving the Jesus flag inside a political position because that's baloney. That's against what Jesus would have you do. That's number one. And number two, you can't be a feminist if you don't understand that 100 years ago, a major attack was made by the Christian churches together. All Christianity decided that it would be a sin for a woman to have an abortion. 100 years ago, that was decided. It was not a sin for the other 1,200 years that Christianity was around. It became a sin 100 years ago. Coincidentally, at the time they made the cannabis plant illegal, coincidentally, at the time that made they made fracking a freaking badge-worthy golden mission. So three major attacks against the divine feminine, and I, I, I just can no longer get my head around people holding up their Christian values while that same person is a woman or a person like an LGBT community person who's being bashed by that system. So quit. I'm telling everybody, just quit defending it. If they can't stand on their own, it's time for them to leave. Nice sermon. How many of those does she do a day, Sister Cass? <laughs> Just wind up, wind up the chatty Kathy doll, right? So you are connecting women all over the world. I mean, your your brand is growing. You have gotten notoriety. I believe there's been, you know, different media outlets that have followed you around, and maybe a documentary or something in the works. Um, what in all of that? What is your um, biggest hope or goal? Uh, well, I always said it, <laughs> my view five years ago from today was very different. Like I don't, we haven't changed anything. We say our goal is we don't think our medicine, we believe that our ancient mothers would have made our medicine and would have hand delivered it to the sick patient. Of course, they were in the castles of Europe or in a farm outside the castle, and they maybe had to go, you know, half a mile to get to 90% of the population around them that they were serving. So they so we do things, We a couple of things are our guiding light. Like everything we do has to answer the question, is it empowering or isn't it? Does it empower women or doesn't it? If it doesn't empower women, we throw it away. That's pretty much our guiding light. It's also what would our ancient mothers have done? We use that as a guiding light. What would our ancient mothers have done? Would they have had a special pet CBD? Or would they just have one bottle of CBD plant and make a different concoction based on the sick dog or the sick old man in their tribe? So we try to keep it very simple as our ancient mothers did. But then to that end, 
And because we do have to ship our products around the world, our goal is that we don't have to ship our products around the world. We believe science will prove that cannabis is like honey, local is best. So to us, it'll be better if the German men were growing the plant and the German women were making the medicine. And together they worked at harvest season and they had an operation just like ours because we believe that the plant coming out of the ground of the German ground would work better for a German native or anybody who lived near that soil, basically. So our goal is to have enclaves in every province across the planet over the next 20 years. I love that. And it's mainly so that, because if you can do weed maps to find weed, you can do sister maps. And if you needed salve, you just get it from the local person and you don't make it travel. And and we're doing this through a series of women-owned businesses. We are not going to own all those enclaves. The enclaves are all owned. They have to be 51% held by women. So the Gaia enclave is just 51% held by Sister Sophia and 49% held by two male partners. Whoever can make it happen. And again... We, our first sister of England is a guy, and I always say it's because he's very in touch with his feminine side. Wink, wink. He doesn't care. <laughs> he lets me say that, Brother Matt. At, because when we're talking about women, we're using the capital W, and that includes anybody who is empathetic to the plight of the women, anyone who's, who's deeply in touch with their own feminine side, and that can be anyone. Yeah. My nephew, one of my nephews, was raised by his mom, mom and dad, divorced when he was two and a half, three years old or something. And then she ended up being married to a woman. And so he has just really <laughs> been so involved in women's struggle. Right. He saw exactly. it. He There's so it. many young men now that could out talk me on the subject of feminism because mm -hmm. they've been immersed in it. They've grown up in it. Mm -hmm. Your kid's story, for example, would be an interesting one because they've been both of her kids have been raised on this farm with her dad working here as a brother and her as a sister, and they really don't know any other life. And so often filmmakers will look at Macy, who's five, and be like, I want her story one day because she came to consciousness here among us under our feet at fire circles. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Cass, do you have something you want to add? Do you want to? You'd have to pick up the microphone if you want to. You don't have to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't talk as well as she does. <laughs> I just like to listen. You talk very well. <laughs> well, you're quite lovely decoration, but I know you have important things to say if you have something you want to say. I love your goal. I love what y'all are building. That is so amazing. And so right now, how many different enclaves do you have? So um, I'll just go around. We have Gaia Enclave north of us. We have a couple of satellite sisters like Ollie in L.A., who is a musician who she's connected to our enclave, but she gets to keep her apartment in L.A. because her messaging as a musician is more important than, to us than having her live here with us. So she comes like three, four times a year. So we just, you know, every enclave has a few satellite sisters who have special skills. They could be filmmakers or musicians or something who are better off in the city than on a plantation farm. But Ali comes here and spends time. They all are required to come spend time with us and do moon ceremonies. And So anyway, uh, we have a few in L.A., but really we have our Mexico sisters who are beginning their commerce. A sister or a brother can't engage with us unless they engage in commerce because if there, isn't, if there aren't jobs being built for us, we consider, we consider creating jobs for women more holy than getting on your knees and greeting the sunrise or going to church on Sunday. That that's the real holy mission is getting women honorable, career-filled, choice-filled jobs. 
Yeah, and so, it's the practical mission in right, 2020. Right, it's the practical mission, and it's the way we we don't want to be begging for money. Begging for money is not empowering. So anyway, we have the Gaia on. We so focus on retail here. The Gaia Enclave north of us by about three hours. They focus on wholesale customers. Brother Matt in England is one of those wholesale customers. So just north of us is the Gaia Enclave with Sister Sophia. And then in the Midwest around Lake Michigan, we have Sister Marilyn and Brother Joel that just started an enclave. So we have three in America. We have one in the UK that's just got Brother Matt and Sister Harmony at the moment. We have one in Sweden, but that's Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and Belgium, and they're the Nordic Enclave. And they've just begun having their moon services. And Commerce Will has begun, but it will be a long, slow process in Denmark. Um, in New Zealand, Sister Maria has been selling at under our label, but instead of using CBD, she's been using kava kava oil and making an activist mission out of being like, if you were anywhere else, you'd get CBD, but you're in New Zealand, so you get kava kava only, and you should really send this postcard to our lawmakers. So she's been going around making a nuisance of herself. I dig and it. And then we have three, four sisters in Brazil, but they're very underground because of Bolsonaro right now and because of also the attacks against the plant. Three of them are filming. And one of them is our sister Flora, who's been here. And like I said, they're working, but they're working in the shadows, underground, and mostly as activists. I like it. Way to go. So how did everyone find you? And we just started uh, uh, We just started with India. There's a woman doctor who has her own herbalist company, and she's creating a high-end line of products under the Sisters of the Valley label. And in our royalty agreement, there's this whole document about our customs and practices, which, interestingly enough, not all that different from Ayurvedic medicine. Yes, of course. So all of these different people who started enclaves around the world, how did they find you? Through people like you, I suppose, through the media. Um, yeah, through hearing about us online. And then generally they came here. Brother Matt came here twice, didn't he? And uh, Flora also came twice from Brazil and New Zealand. And Maria's been here twice. They come uh, once a year usually and spend a couple of weeks. And then over some point it makes sense to make them a sister or a brother and have them take their vows. That's really, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing that it's like, okay, come here, let's have a connection, experience this, see if this resonates with you. Right, and right. Far more come than we end up working with, right? <laughs> Far more come than we end up working with. But that's part of the process itself. And then, like, my aggravation now is that... I really wanted to take in the throwaway women. The, the other women that I felt like had great, great, beautiful gifts and talents and the society devalued. But the problem is that a lot of them are severely broken and we're not set up to handle that. Yeah. So it's a difficult process for us. We love everybody that comes to us, but sometimes we're not the right place for them or we're only the right place for them for a short period of time mm -hmm. and they have to move on. Yeah. Yeah, because when you are dealing with those sorts of emotional and physical traumas, you know, that PTSD element, like it takes a lot of work. It does. I mean, and it is, we're not certified for that kind of thing. So I always say, look, and we're, I'm, I'm in search of my sort of frontline soldiers. And I would love it if our order could take people right off the street. Like I have this dream that 
you know, we have a hotline one day, and any woman who's about to be made homeless just calls the sister hotline, and we send out a squad, and the squad comes with a truck, and we rescue her stuff, and we rescue her kids, and we take her to safety. I mean, I, because I would have loved that when I was made homeless by my I would brother. watch that movie. Yeah, I, and I would have loved that, and we should kind of have that. If women ran the world, it would be like that. No one would be... We wouldn't have billionaires making money off of every trade or every college loan when we had people who were homeless. I mean, to me, it's a prioritization thing. So, um, yeah, and also right now, I think this whole COVID thing, if women were running things, we'd just be like, let's do another round of stimulus money for businesses and people. Let's make marijuana and hemp legal from sea to shining sea. Let's put a 1% tax on all of it. Any sales gets a 1% tax. The 1% tax will pay for all of these loans we just gave everybody, and life would be so good. And I'm sorry, Mitch McConnell, go home. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, I do know what you mean. I want to get into a little bit about the values and the beliefs that the sisterhood operates. Sure under because what you have created here is something that will end the separation that we have been slowly getting forced into over since I was born. Yes. I mean, in the 70s, this was already happening. So so if as I'm an analyst by trade, so if you look at people and human behavior, by far, the women like working with the women in the kitchen and the men like working with the men in the outside. But if we were in a native, ancient native community from this land from 800 years ago, things would also be like that. The men would have the men's work and the women have the women's work. But it would be on the elders to watch and see if an individual doesn't neatly fit in either of those categories. It's on the elders to pay attention to their people close enough that if you have a little boy who would definitely rather be working with the women, get the women an invitation for that little boy. If you have a little girl that would rather be working with the men, get her an invitation to work with the men. Make those arrangements to meet for the individual without making everybody in the tribe give up what feels comfortable to them. So it really is about honoring the individual. So we're trying to create something that takes one, basically makes a model this way. One, to show people you don't have to stick with Christianity. It, it slaughtered most of your ancestors. It certainly took out a lot of mine. Uh, for witches. I have at least three that are one ancestor that's in the book of witches. She was 13. She married a doctor who was 28. I think it's pretty clear that deal was brokered to keep her from being hung. And then she went on to have 13 children and died at a young age. So it wasn't just Christianity didn't just take out Christianity took out anybody with Mother Earth at the center of their spiritual practices. And here's what we think. We think we have to put Mother Earth back at the center of our spiritual practices in order to keep 60 to 80 species a day from going extinct, that people themselves will not respect Mother Nature unless we put some, ooh, spooky stuff all around it and make it spiritual, and then they'll quit throwing their trash out the window, and then they'll quit, you know, just making messes everywhere they go. So our the core of our spiritual beliefs is we looked at what did the ancient ancestors of this land... now. The reason why we cho- I chose the year 800 is because the Gutenberg Press came along in the early 800s and the first book printed was the Bible, which was written by a bunch of men for a bunch of men and the only women in it are whores and virgins. Only two kinds. So this is the beginning of our binary split into good girl, bad girl, straight person, not, not you know, and queer it, person. Yes, right. and story becoming history. And story becoming history, exactly. So I look at the Gutenberg Press and then I look at, oh my 
goodness sakes, Scholastica founded her order in 880, about 30 years after the Bible came out in the press. Hmm, wonder if she really wanted to be poor and celibate and hidden away, or wonder if this was a survival mood from the move from the Inquisition coming and burning her at the stake. So our spiritual practices looked at what did the, in the year 800, what did the natives of this land believe? And in the year 800, what did our ancestors from the castles of Europe believe? And if you put those, stack up the top 12 beliefs of both systems, eight things come in common and very, uh, very obviously in common. We adopted those eight things that are the common beliefs of this land and the ancestors of our blood from Europe. And those, if they start with the number one belief is organizing your lives by the moon cycles and quarters of the year. So our holy days are the full moons and the quarters of the year. Those are our 16 holy days, and we organize our life around that. The second one is that we have an obligation to be live in harmony with each other and the planet. So if you notice, number one, moon cycles, which puts the planet at the center of your attention. Number two, the planet, living in harmony with the people on the planet. And number three, we believe that there's a mystical, magical other side to the physical life that we see here. And we don't care what the sisters put on that mystical, magical other side. If it's a, a Buddhist if it's a Buddhist philosophy, if there's a fat god on the other side that's a white guy, or if it's a goddess, or if it's Shiva, we don't care. Our beliefs stop it. And we basically demoted creator God in that fashion to be someone who sits behind a mystical veil, and we don't care what you put behind the mystical veil. And secondly, we feel people step over the sick and dying to get to church on time, and that's all counter to good Christian principles anyway. So we've demoted, and also we it's against our religion to, to argue about invisible gods or invisible babies or invisible beings. We will not. While 60 to 80 species a day are going extinct on this planet, the Sisters of Valley will not argue with anybody about invisible gods because it doesn't matter who you believe in. If you were given the planet and you're trashing it like this, you're like a child who had the best play school, best play arena built for him. And he goes in there and just breaks everything, smashes everything. As a parent, your God, whoever he has, has to be looking at you and going, you're seriously messed up. I'm okay <laughs> if you all destroy yourself. You know what I mean? So there's more beliefs, but the rest of the beliefs kind of trickle down the same way. They all are in light of, like, we believe that the harm of one is the harm of all. The good of one is the good of all in an interconnectedness. We believe that our gift of speech and intelligence above the animals gives us a unique obligation to the planet and the people of the planet. So the rest of them sort of just reiterate those first three in a more finite form. And then we have six vows that the sisters take, none of which is a vow to an order or to me or to a god. None of it has anything to do with it. Our vows spell out the acronym SOLAS, S-O-L-A-C-E, and they stand for service, obedience, living simply, activism, chastity, and ecology. Did I say C O L A C E. Yes. Yeah, you Chastity got it. And okay, so, and from the top, services, of course, making our medicine. But the people who cook for the women who make the medicine, the people who clean for the women who make for the medicine, the bookkeepers, the accountants, the social media people, that's all service to the plant. Your job is service to the plant. And then our second one is uh, obedience, and that's an obedience to the cycles of the moon and the quarters of the year. And that's it. There's no, like, person you have to kneel down before. You just organize your life like that, and you obey certain principles about the energy of the moon. And then the third one is 
uh, living simply. We always say we can't own a yacht, but you can and invite us for a visit. And then activism is making sure that there's some time in your week and month where you are holding your politicians accountable for what they did or didn't do. And that's where we're trying to create an environment and a culture for the little children that are coming along to us, that activism is just part of our everyday life because we don't think we're going to change anything until people quit treating politics like it's a once every four year venture. Mm -hmm. And then uh, chastity, there's six definitions in Webster's Dictionary of Chastity. And we, you can tell we picked the one that most honors women. And that's the one where we privatize our sexuality. And we really just don't talk about it. And we don't let anybody know who's with who. And we're sort of in kinship with Muslim women who also privatize their sexuality. And they are also punished for it. They are also the only other women on the planet who dress like our ancient mothers still to this day. So another reason why we feel we should dress like our ancient mothers. Uh, take the heat off of them. Yeah. And then we have a vow of ecology that uh, says that we have to continue to work to reduce our footprint every year. All of these are loving, logical, reasonable things. If they, if we came up with anything weird or crazy, we wouldn't get the great women we hope to attract. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the last things you said, talking about, you know, privatizing your sexuality, we are in such a crazy place in the world where sexuality is so exploited and in your face and as soon as you give an eight or nine year old kid a smartphone they have access to information that you do not want them having did you know that only fans is all like about sex did you why didn't you tell me corinna told me and i'm like get us off of there you didn't know no i didn't know quinn and i are so dumb we're like Oh, it's a whole young new crowd. We, we should be going after that whole young new crowd. And so we put our fellowship program on there. And now people are like, really, sisters? You want your fellowship program on this little teen sex platform? <laughs> oh no, we do not. Oh, my gosh. That is insane. <laughs> 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 yeah, we don't know what we're doing sometimes. I, I mean... <laughs> There's some times right. where I'm like, I don't know what that word means. I don't know what that, what are the. Oh, the little emojis. All, all these. Yeah, uh, like I did not know about that purple thing. What's the purple The thing? eggplant? The eggplant. <laughs> yeah, I did not know about the eggplant. I mean, the sisters did such a trick to me one night, did they? Dwight texted me, brother Dwight texted me, and they and Alice goes, send back three peaches and an eggplant. And I'm like, where are those? How do I find them? So I go in there and she's like, they're right here. And then I send him and Dwight sends back like the little emoji with big wide eyes going like, what? And I'm like, what did you make me do? Oh my God. Yes, they have their own emoji language. That is really funny. So baked into all of your, um, your culture here with the sisterhood is this mixture of religions, ideas, cultures. And, you know, we live right now in a space where there's cultural appropriation and continuous separation. And, you know, and we live in this two-party system when there are... Oh, we should... That's a bit... That's the core of all of our problems. We should be more like India where they have like 50 parties and each one's got a sliver on the board and we have a fair fight. But yes, our two-party system is, is... It leaves so much room for corruption. It allows corruption. It's I know. Crazy. And so by what you're creating here, it is an opportunity for everyone to see 
what all of the cultures are like, what what all of the perspectives are, and you get to choose best practices. Yes, and that's the idea. And that's what our ancient Begin mothers did. They were scholars of all religions. So they didn't sit around and be like, oh, we're going to be good Christians. They were like, let's see, there's a new Christian pastor in town. Let's go listen to him. And then let's write about what a dumbass he is if he's too arrogant. <laughs> and that's why they went extinct, because they were scholars and they felt that they had the right to make or break a local politician. And I'm trying to return us to that kind of sane world. Well, yeah, because a politician is supposed to work for the people. Exactly. The country's in a shit show and it's on its way going down. More the reason why more people have to have, aren't going to survive unless you have community. It's just, it's not that you won't survive. It's just that we've got a very high quality of life here, don't we, Cass? We have a higher quality of life that any of us would have had on our own. And it's because we work together and we help each other. And so for us, I think it's more about the thing we hate talking about the most is our spirituality. And that's because... People try to brainwash people. Dogma, religions like fall into their dogma and then they become all about their dogma and they forget their own tenets. So that's the thing we, we always say our services for the people, our activism for the people, our spirituality is for ourselves, just to nurture ourselves. We mm -hmm. could care less. The idea is more that more people should be trying to get together and live on a one acre farm and make their own food and grow their own food and grow their own medicine and make their own medicine and make roles for each other and also learn how to do trouble resolution. It's what we're missing mm, in our society. Yes, yeah. In the, the last time we had sort of a revolt was in the 60s. And what happened is because we didn't know how to envision a nice way, a harmonious way of living, we only knew what we didn't want. And because we only knew what we didn't want, we got four more years of more of what we didn't want. We all basically manifested That's an overreaching, abusive patriarchy. And we did it by coming up with terms like feminazi and, and focusing on the divide and those bra-burning feminists instead of the women coming together and meditating a new way. Our enclave living is a way of saying, no, you don't really have to buy into that. You can all like put, you can put eight people in a one acre farm, earn a million dollars a year in sales in a newly deregulating industry like the hemp industry. And you can have, you know, one of the people, one of our eight does not fit neatly into binary roles too. Possibly two of our eight don't fit there. No one cares. We don't talk about it. They like their job. We like having them work here. It's not an issue here. Everybody, the whole objective is to be who you are and use the sisterhood. How many times do I say use the sisterhood to make it what it can be best for you, but don't be a cheap asshole. Give back to it in a fair manner. Yeah. Yeah. It is true that by being a part of a community that is small, where your contributions are obvious and noticeable, and the energy you bring to the situation is palpable, that is where true change starts happening. Yes. Because when you are focusing on change, where we're talking about Trump and Biden and Kamala Harris, and it, you know, that's so far removed from any sort of change in action that I can actually. Um, participated. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, it, to me, this whole thing, and especially 2020 with us kind of being sidelined in life, truly has been developing a deeper inner wisdom, listening to my higher self, and also learning to lean on a smaller community. Right. And to me, that is where 
there's more growth. There's more love and support. Living in a small town versus living in a giant city, which I've done. I mean, there were 14 people in my graduating class in high school, and one of them was my stepsister. (laughs) So, you know, I went from that to living in downtown Oakland in a pandemic. It can be traumatizing being feeling so alone in such a big space. And I feel like people that don't find community, that's what life feels like to them. And to me, I feel that that's why people hold on to their old patriarchal churches, whether they need them or not. It's the sense that it's the only community they have. Mm -hmm. It's their only place to reach. And that's what we're saying. Nah, we think we we could do better than that by building our own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I remember one of the very last times I went to church, my sister and I, we were kind of mutts in life. I mean, we were raised Catholic, but parents divorced and, you know, that's frowned on. And so then, of course, you're spending every other weekend somewhere else. And so it's like you're at the Methodist Church and then the Catholic and Episcopalian and Baptist and Foursquare, you know. And I saw all of the religions at a very young age. And so then one of the very last times I'm at church, it was uh, Easter Sunday. Me and my sister thought we'd go to church and we're sitting and the church is packed and we're like, it's beautiful. And the people in front of us are like, look at all these people showing up for Easter Sunday. I know. And I'm like, what is wrong? Where is your Christianity lady? Yeah. Like she was put out that, oh, we all showed up The last time I went to Catholic church, they uh, made us all stay over 10 minutes later to listen to an 18-year-old tell us how her and 10 other people were going to walk, 10 other 18-year-olds were going to walk from here to Washington, D.C. to protest abortion. And so when it was over and I was there with my 88-year-old mother, my 86-year-old mother, I'm like, Mom, we have to go downstairs and get donuts. And she goes, why? And I go, because I got to go tell that young lady that she's wasting her life and that she's going to be marching past thousands and thousands of poor, hungry, abused children. And why does she care more about invisible babies and vaginas she's never met to control than she does about the poor people of this country? My mother's like, oh, you are not. Oh, yes, we are. Come on. And my mother's like, oh, no, you're not I'm not going with you so I never get did get to warn that little girl about how stupid she was by buying into this but I mean that was the last time I could step my foot in the Catholic Church and then if you listen to Catholic or Christian radio they have a crisis and the other day I was listening in my car coming back and he was talking about because I thought the punchline was going to be the solution is Weed nuns. I really, when he was saying that it's all over, that we are 20,000 Christian churches are closing a year, we're losing our people, we're no longer relevant to them, I thought we were going to work our way over to, so you need to embrace what's happening with the weed nuns. But what it really ended with is, so all there is now to do is wait for rapture. And I'm like, oh my God, I listened to this whole thing into town and back, and that's where it led me, wait for the rapture. Sorry, guys, you're making yourself obsolete faster than we could help you. That is true. Wow. It's absurd. Some of this stuff really is absurd. I don't understand when I go to Los Angeles and I see a group of young people carrying a big cross with a sign that says Jesus saves. Like, who's paying for this? 
Where did this come from? Where's the motivation? I mean, I couldn't be more shocked if I ran into Charles Manson himself on the streets because I just don't get it. It's head Well, as puzzling. a marketer, I'm like, what's your call to action? Right, exactly. Well, who are you trying to convince? What are we doing? I want to go everywhere you see those crosses where it says Jesus saves. I want to replace Jesus with CBD. I would love to fund that action where we go find all the crosses in the valley and we paint over the Jesus and put CBD. <laughs> Or cannabis or a purple pot leaf. They say all press is good press. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> who knows how that would We'd get end. shot because the same people who put those signs up are the ones who own all the guns. We would definitely get shot. Oh, my gosh. So y'all sitting over there trimming that smell wafting over here is absolutely beautiful. What, what flower is this? This is actually we're trimming our CBD for tea. I think that's what we're doing right now. So this is our Wee Baron strain. This is a proprietary strain. As good as it smells and as much as you'd like to smoke it, it's not going to get you high. Yeah, because it's CBD. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it there is relaxing. Is... And I got to tell Cass something interesting. So some woman called me and told me that we should be changing our labels. We shouldn't be, our labels shouldn't say non-psychoactive. They should say non-intoxicating. She's right. Because there is, she's saying that because we have trace amounts of THC and because CBD itself is a relaxant, it is psychoactive. It totally is psychoactive. It's just not going to get you stupid. I tell people that it is a lightness of being. It okay. is like the absence of the stress and the absence of the worry for someone who doesn't ever get to that place. They think that's what being high is. And it's like, no, that is your own personal bliss. Right. You know? Well, we deal with all kinds. I had a woman call me and tell me that she got high from my CBD salve. And I'm like, that is really interesting. Where did you apply it? Like, I want to know how to get high from my CBD salve. And uh, she told me that she... I've applied it to her vagina that she had vaginal cancer and that she, she and she said that when she applied it within minutes she was bouncing on the bed and her husband and kids came in and because she was bouncing gleefully her husband insisted she was high from it and I said how long have you had the pain and how severe is it and she said well I've been living it with it for seven years and it hurts to sit and I went, oh, my goodness, being high is kind of like getting the boot of pain off your neck. So I completely get it. You had the boot of pain on your neck with your cheek to the floor for seven years. Somebody took the boot off and you jumped up and you said, holy cow, I feel great. And you did a little jig and you danced and you bounced and they took that as you being high. But the truth is you just released the pain. Well, was he not happy that she was bouncing yes, on the yes, bed? Yes, but he was making her call me first thing to tell me that she got high from my salve on her vagina. Interesting. I haven't tried it. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. So let's talk a little bit more about your products now. What all do you have in the Sisters of the Valley store? Well, before you leave today, we'll give you a little tour yeah. uh, and a goodie bag if you'd like to try them. Uh, we have, basically, we have three products that give us our million dollars a year of sales, which COVID year, we're going to be lucky if it's 600000 But in our normal year, we do a million to 1.1 of sales from this farm. And that is 50% our topical salve. Our topical salve is definitely our Burt's Beeswax of the industry. We have 
old Hasidic Jews who want to do a kosher version of it. We have, you know, people in around the world that want to be selling it and automating the process, the recipe, and so forth. Our topical salve, we put it out there as experimental, basically saying, look, for 100 years this was not possible because it was the same attack against women was the attack against the plant. So help us figure out what this is good for. And so the public has been delightfully experimental. They use the topical salve for replacing sleeping bills by rubbing it on their forehead at night. They make hangovers go away by rubbing it on their forehead. People have reported that suffered chronic migraines tell us that if they put a dab behind each ear in the morning, they don't have migraines ever. And those who have migraines who come in, come on have reported that the salve will make the migraine go away if they put a little on their forehead. Uh, diaper rash, we were aiming for arthritis and joint pain. So the normal is somebody saying, if I forget to put your salve on my knees in the morning, then I have to use my cane by noon. But if I remember, I never have to use my cane all day. Athletes, jocks, doctors, uh, therapists. Today we got a request from a chain of massage parlors in Florida that wants us to make bigger jars of our eight ounce just for massage parlor people um, and massage therapists and things. It sounded funny you saying parlor. Yeah. Like, that's an old a, school. Yeah. I don't, and as it's coming out, I'm like, whoa, that sounds super kinky. Like I, that is not what I meant. What do they call them? Masseuse places. Yeah. yeah massage yeah. places. Okay. Where they're really interested <laughs> in healing the muscles. Walk um, into my parlor. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the topical salve is definitely our most popular. Diaper rash, skin burns, mouth burns, earaches, toothaches. Like we tell people, please don't put it in your eyes because they're so experimental. Someone would. We know that it works for a lot of things. Um then our second bestseller is oil drops, liquid coconut oil drops that have CBD in them. And all of these come in different sizes and different strengths. Like our salve's all the same, but our oil drops come in regular double strengths. So you can either get 500 milligrams of CBD in a two-ounce uh, bottle with a dropper, or you can get 1,000 milligrams in a two-ounce bottle. And then we have uh, our third, and doesn't sell as much, it's only 10% of our sales, but pretty much 90% of the people who buy our tincture are dealing with seizures because our tincture, mm -hmm. which is made with 150 proof alcohol, is very sharp. And if you have a seizuring pet or kid or person and you squirt it right in the mouth, it'll stop the seizure, mid-seizure, clearly. So the people who buy our alcohol would miss it very much if we didn't have the alcohol tincture, but it's a small percentage of our sales because fortunately, a small percentage of the public suffers from seizures. Mm-hmm. I have a few clients who have been struggling with finding the right cannabis for sleep. Do you? A lot of people use our stuff for sleep. That's what I, I always say the plant is magical and mystical because uh, it gives people what they need. We have equal, we have gel caps that we import from Colorado. That's, we can't make concentrates here or they bust mm -hmm. us, right? And close us down. So we import the only pure plant oil product we have are gel caps from Colorado. And we import them and we subject them to a moon ceremony, pray over them, keep them in our kitchen before we bottle them and move them on to shipping. So we subject them a little bit. They're not like the rest of our stuff we make by hand. But I take one every night and it helps me stay asleep. But other people take them in the morning to help them wake up. So you, you've got to know that that's a magical plant when it'll do both. It'll do what you need, basically. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a really good point. I talk about it a lot with people when we're starting from scratch with when they've never used cannabis. The first thing being like, you know, really setting your intention. Why are you using yes. it? Right. Yeah. If you just kind of set that intention, the the medicine works. The medicine with you. works for you. It's a it's a collaborative, intelligent plant. It's amazing to me. 
And we're learning from it all the time. Like we've had people, we're always, of course, I'm always telling women, we sell this strain now. We don't sell seeds because we don't want to be hassled. So we sell salve seed bundles. And if you order the salve seed bundle and you don't want the salve, just tell us and we'll send you more seeds. It's like that. So that we don't get on the radar of anybody who doesn't want us selling seeds. But essentially, we're on a mission to get women to start growing this as a kitchen household plant and outside and everywhere. And what we've heard from people experimenting is that one woman, every time a fresh shoot came on her plant, clipped the fresh shoot and put it in her salad. And her vision went back to prescriptions of glasses. So another person did the same thing and told us her hearing improved. So it is really interesting to me. I don't think we've scratched the surface of what we can do with this plant. None of us have really talked about or experimented well enough with just the root of the plant to well, make root tea. Well, and too, um, with what you were just saying with the woman, as soon as the shoot would come up, she would clip it. There was way more CBG in yes, that. Yes. And we're, we're not, we just got done uh, making a deal with the hemp cowboy and they're growing us a CBG crop so that we can introduce CBG tea and CBG line where it's awesome. more for that yeah. and, and not just CBD. Yeah. Because that's the, that's the one cannabinoid that I want to see more of and yeah, I, I want I more of in my life. It's more, uh, what they're early, it's early, right? The science is early. But what they're early telling us is that it's more effective on physical pain. And CBD is more effective on, on nerves and anxiousness and sleep and anxiety. Well, and CBD's got the um, the anti-inflammatory effect too, yes. which is what helps with that pain relief. But yeah, CBG being the parent cannabinoid, the very first one, I feel like there is something magical about CBG whenever, you know, adding it to the CBD or to the THC. But right now, that because there's not a ton of it available, it's way more expensive. It's more expensive for people to work with. So then when you go to buy right. it at the dispensary, you right. can barely afford it. The lab test it. just started reporting on it separately. And as we go, I think, I just think we're, we all have to be ready for a big changes because changes are coming because we started out as like kindergartners, not understanding anything about the plant. We're all on this journey for mm-hmm. our master's degree in the cannabis plant. Yeah. And, of course, you know, the only thing that stays the same is change. So we all should be (laughs) ready to deal with it. Well, yeah. And just feel like it's a skill set that they need to start teaching in school. Yes. Like, you know, resilience, versatility, being okay with having things just automatically change i am one of those crazy humans that love change i'm like that too my sister sent out a text message to all the families saying she was selling her house that the house goes on the market tomorrow and i could tell by all of their comments that they were like oh call me if you need me i'm here for your sis and i'm like why are they saying that because i'm a (laughs) gemini and i don't understand if i put my my answer to her was i hope you get asking price like to me i'm like you Change, new adventure, lean into it. Holy cow. Uh, bring it on. But not everybody deals with change that right that way. Yeah. For sure. Well, I'm very grateful that I'm into that. Oh, look at that pretty kitty. It was this. That's Cleo. My Cleo. Well, tell me, is there anything that I didn't ask you about this space that's really special? I, well, hell, we have a, 
uh, full moon, blue moon, yes. on Halloween, on Saturday. Yes. So tell me, y'all must so, have something yes, big planned. So, yes, this, is, this has already caused me personnel problems. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and explain it anyway. So for years, we've been talking about doing a special ancient ceremony on Halloween. That's a parting of the veil. It's called the Dumb Supper. It was a the researchers who found it were looking for, as I did, similar cultural things that happen on different continents in the year 600, 700, 800. So this is a ritual that was done in multiple places. It was called different things, but it was all the same ritual. And it was happening in Asia while it was happening in Europe, while it was happening here and happening in the Middle East. This was an ancient ritual that at midnight on this day, on October 31st, is the when the veil is thinnest. And at midnight, you first you start during the be- beginning of the day and you put your food under an altar and you bless that food and pray. And then at midnight, you gather around the fire and you sit around and we had to adjust it for COVID times because we're not going to be passing a flask for us all to drink our wine out of and we're not going to be like finger fooding the same dish anymore. But what we did is we COVIDized the ancient ritual and then added a play that's an ancient play that's about the end of summer and the beginning of winter. And the play has the Dark Lord, which is a green man. I'm sorry, the Dark Lord is winter and the green man. And they're the main lead. And then there's a high priestess. And then there's parts for the audience to say. And so I had a young new assistant type that up for me. And oh my goodness, things kind of fell apart around here for about 24 hours as she was convinced we were just dabbling in the dark arts when really what we're doing is (laughs) celebrating an ancient midnight ritual. And really we do all bring... We do make an altar of our dead, and we do all bring pictures of our dead. And the idea is that you focus, you open the ceremony with a meditation on that person you love the most that's on the other side. And then you get everybody into this meditation where they're feeling nothing but love because that is the person you love the most that's on the other side. And so you open it in love. And then you leave an empty seat like the seat for the soldier that's often left. And as the trays and food pass around, you be sure to put something on the plate and fill the glass of the wine of that one seat that's dedicated to representing those from the other side. This is not a big deal. This should not spook anyone. But we often have trouble with this, right? Because everything we do is ancient ritual and therefore it's prone to be to make us look like witches when we're not. Yeah. I think that would be really cool to see. And so you, did you just kind of think this up, yes, say it, write it, and then she, and then you she, have her she, write I had it out? Her re- I had her typing from a book. And she did, and she did weird, she did type some weird shit, but I was not going to do the animal sacrifice part. I wasn't going to add blood to our drink. I was, I, she was doing the raw stuff and then I took it, edited it, changed it, sisterized it for us Yeah, for a meaningful ceremony for this day and age uh-huh. um, and connecting us to our ancestors by building on what they had started, but not in the same way. So it freaks so it freaks someone out who's not going to be around for the next couple of days because we don't need the distraction, but Every ceremony that I've written uh, from the beginning of this in 2015 is now in a book called The Book of the New Begins that we just put together. That's our complete belief system. So anybody who becomes a like a Patreon fellowship supporter, they get our free 
a download of our Book of the New Beginnings, which is all our customs, prayers, chants, and things we do. And then they get a full moon service every month. So we, we're awesome. now starting to distributing, and we're now starting to kind of organize a fellowship program. People will reach out to us from all over the world saying, I have a one-acre farm, sister. I'd like to do what you're doing. Can I be a part of it? We didn't know what to do with that before. Now, through the fellowship program, we say, join our fellowship program. Go into About Us and fill out that whole long 100-question questionnaire. And now we're actually starting to a new sister, Sister Hazel, who's coming tonight from our Gaia Network, is in like her third day of her novitiate. And she came from another state, and we chose her through that system. So we're now just only going to the fellowship program to get our new sisters, to get our new brothers, and to get all our new business partners around the world. I love that. Uh, you mentioned Patreon. Yes. So Sisters of the Valley on Patreon.com. Yes. yes. And we also, people should know that if they want to put, if they're poor, we get it. Just pay the $5 once and fill, get your information in the database. If you drop from the program because you can't pay the $5 every month, we don't drop your credentials. We keep you in there, and you're just as equally considered. Like, there's no relation to you paying every month and being considered for a job. We just had to do something that would support the man hours that we have to put into that. Oh, yeah. And to create the fellowship program. So people can just get – that's the only way people can really get us their credentials and get us to know them, and it's the only way they can know us by getting a copy of our book and our moon ceremonies. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we want to send people is, yes, uh, is to the that. fellowship okay. program. Yeah. As it turns out, like, and is the fellowship program, is that on patreon.com yes. or not? Or your yes, website? It's on Patreon. Okay, Patreon. Patreon. Okay. Yeah. They could just look for sisters. Of the, Valley. the thing is that we've learned that about 40% of our followers are in the industry. So they're never going to buy our products, but they love us. So part of that was the solution to that too. Well, it, the people that want to support us, but they make their own salve and they make their own tinctures, which we think is wonderful and we'd like everybody to do, can still support us and still can participate in our moon ceremonies. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Now, do you have a social presence? Yes, we're on everything. We're on Instagram and we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter. And now we're starting to look at Weed Works and to go back on Etsy and to go back onto Shopify and some of the commercial platforms are now starting to invite CBD companies back. Etsy kicked us off in 2015 rudely, 2016, March of 2016 rudely. And Shopify kicked everybody off. But now they're all starting to come around. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have spent the better part of the last several weeks trying to get merchant services set up so I can sell my CBD product online. And it's just insane. It took me nine months to get a bank account when yes. this all started. And I know this is all kind of your background, yep. your former life. Yes. I had a meltdown yesterday. It was 345 in the afternoon. I'd gotten one more form that somebody needed filled out. And they're like, and you know, we need you to print it and sign it in ink. And of course my printer's not working. And I'm just like, of course you need it signed in ink. Like I'm about to have an anxiety attack. I just like bust out in tears. I'm like, I just can't deal with merchant services anymore. Like I'm a creative. I should not be having no, to do exactly. this. No, exactly. And that was our whole 2019 was just spent applying and being denied. Applying being and telling them every intimate detail of our operations and being denied. Oh, yeah. It was, it was very frustrating. You really feel like you got raped. He just yeah. dipped his thing into all my stuff and then said, yeah, no, we can't take you. Uh, I understand that our governor just signed some protection for banks in California. 
Yes. So it should get easier, but we bank in Arkansas, and you should consider our bank in Arkansas. They're very friendly. Well, I found a cannabis-friendly bank in Florida. Good. Of course, I've, I got a, a letter saying, hey, you know, your $25 per month CBD fee, it's going up to $200 a month. We pay 150 a year. Okay, maybe. <laughs> maybe I need a bank in Arkansas. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's. And then when they charge me, I still whine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's really tough trying to navigate being in this particular piece of the industry because I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't want to deal with the headache of trying to be a licensed cannabis business. Let me just do this CBD CBD thing, and it's just as bad trying to make things happen. Yes. It is the same underwriters. So they it is the same people that are taking our app as they are from the cannabis industry. So, yeah, they, do, they don't have a good attitude or an open attitude about what we're doing, and it's sad. Yeah, I needed to channel my inner but it's sister changing. yesterday. Yeah, it's changing. <laughs> it's changing, though, and they have to change. They have to change. So feel sad for them, the ones sitting behind the closed door with no window in their office hating on cannabis and they're having to deal with the fact that it's coming like a a wave upon the sand and you are not stopping it boys nice try though you know there is a this stubbornness of ideas and you know like somebody who has staunchly been opposed to cannabis and hemp and then all the information and all the research is presented to them to change their mind but their ego is so stubborn that they refuse to see it and change their mind and I'm just like the truth has come out right what is wrong with you like just admit that you were wrong and it's okay and let's all just move on right exactly Ugh. Well, it's been so fun to sit out here with you ladies. I, I love it. It's peaceful. I needed to get out of the city. Thank you for being brave enough to let me come visit you. Well, thank you for coming. I, I think uh, the only thing I can probably add is that we signed a contract this week with a Hollywood production company to shop making a film out of the book, The Accidental Nun. So we think that there might be a TV series coming based on The Accidental Nun. And Which is your story. Is the about backstory this... to the founding of the sisterhood. Like what went on in the years leading up to the founding of the sisterhood. I'll make sure to include uh, links to how to find that in the show notes. Yeah. So you'll share and, that with me. Well, that hasn't become anything yet. Like now they shop it. We but might no, not... the book. I mean, oh, the, the book. book exists. Oh, yeah, yeah. The book exists. The yeah. Accidental Nun. Definitely. We have lots of copies of that book. We have some other reality TV companies that are kind of circling that would like us to do something like what they did with the Queer Eye guys. Mm-hmm. which for us would be kind of fun. The reason I brought that up is because you were just talking about you present all this evidence to people and they mm-hmm. still don't believe it. If the Queer Eye guys presented all the evidence, people might listen. You know what I mean? They're yeah. charming, they're adorable, and they're, ad- they're inter- sort of introducing the hetero male world to uh, a different kind of lifestyle and making them not so afraid. And so to me, it's exactly that kind of program that would go a long way for the cannabis plant program is the key word there because people that watch television are programmed right so, so we let's just have program, to program them with better I mean. information yes yeah. we have to give them better information mm-hmm. so they can be reprogrammed we have to unfortunately become part of the programming yeah which you're already doing yeah right? that's right well All thank right. you i we've enjoyed talking to you as well joanne this is great 
I hope you enjoyed Sister Kate as much as I did. I love having discussions with people who are walking an inspired path. Remember, feeling good is the goal. Your inspired action can be just as impactful as what Sister Kate started in California's Central Valley. That's now expanding across the globe. We all bring something special to the table, and it takes all of us to go out and create the world we want to thrive in. So my ask of you today is to branch out from your singular perspective more often. If someone says, does, or thinks, or looks something different from the way you say, do, think, and look, instead of shutting them down and making them wrong or thinking they're weird, get curious, ask questions, find out what their why is, and perhaps you'll find out that you're climbing the exact same mountain, just taking different routes to get there. Contrast is a teacher and perspectives abound. I hope you'll choose the good ones. And if you're inspired by the Sisters of the Valley and you want to support their efforts, head over to the podcast 160 show notes at casuallybaked.com. You'll find links to Sister Kate's book, The Accidental Nun, their CBD product lineup, Patreon page, and the Sisters of the Valley social handles. Now, as for me, I'm visualizing you rating and reviewing Casually Baked the Podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts because you find me entertaining and relevant and relatable. Not only does your inspired action make my day, but it also helps other folks like you find this highly responsible cannabis content. By the way, keep those canna curious questions coming. Yes, they're great. Continue messaging me through the website at casuallybaked.com or Social Butterflies. I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I also have some good questions coming in off of my YouTube channel. If you are not subscribing to the Casually Baked YouTube channel, seriously, what are you waiting for? In the queue for the podcast, we're talking hemp and nutrition, seasonal wellness, and coming out of the cannabis closet. And uh, by the way, you can help me come out of the closet by becoming a podcast patron for $5 per month at patreon.com backslash casually baked. It takes a village. And you know what? I'm glad. I like being a part of a village. Thank you for being a part of mine. Now go out there and puff, puff, pass it on. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and mixing performed by Q9 Productions. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1%. 
that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like, their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique on Everything is Personal.